Well, it is a great privilege to be here with you. Um, I, I purposely did not tell you that, that I was an elder or a minister. I was just looking for a place to, to worship. I, I knew that I would have some time uh, this evening after uh, discharging the duties of, of my secular job. And um, so it was a little further away than I thought it would be from where I'm staying, but I, I got here before you did, so, Brother Rob. So um, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being out here on a Wednesday night. Uh, on a regular basis, as as you do, it's such a blessing, and I would that many more of our congregations would would uh, avail themselves to that to that blessing, to being together during the during the middle of the week. Uh, I think I would like to read some from Hebrews chapter twelve. If you have your Bibles with you, would like to follow along. I, I don't know. Um, you know, what exactly your custom is on Wednesday night. We, we also meet every Wednesday night, and, and it's probably similar to what you do, maybe a, a little, um, I, I hate to say less formal, but um, we, we spend time after the lesson is presented uh, talking about the lesson and giving opportunities for some questions and, and some comments. And uh, it's, such a, it's such a wonderful time. I don't know if you intend to do that today or t- tonight or not, but um, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Hebrews chapter 12, a very familiar place. I just want to read the first couple of verses. We're going to have to back up then in Hebrews chapter 11. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God." We, uh, back home, we've, we've been spending some time uh, here in the book of Hebrews a little bit. And um, recently, I, I tried to look at this passage, and it seemed like the more I looked at the first couple of verses of chapter 12, the more time I, we wound up spending in chapter 11. And I don't know that we've ever gotten fully uh, versed in, in just that, those couple of verses uh, and, and certainly have not brought everything out so far. But I'd like to kind of do that again, you know, do that this evening, look back, because as the apostle begins this thought, and as you know, those chapter and verse divisions are not inspired, they're good and they're helpful, and and most of them are right where they need to be. Uh, But remember that Paul is writing, I believe it was the apostle Paul, he is writing a letter, one continuous thought. uh, He says, wherefore? Wherefore, so we have to back up and, and see what Paul is talking about. Wherefore, seeing. There's something that he has taught us. There's something that the apostle has, has presented to us that we need to keep in mind as we go forward in the next thought that he's going to present. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about. So there's something that you and I have in common with somebody that he has just written about prior to this, okay? He says, we also 
are compassed about. We also. I am more and more amazed at, at the thought of, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, when we get into chapter 11, the, the, the thought of the faith that we have, the faith that you have, it's the same faith that these brothers and sisters of old had that Paul has been writing about in chapter 11. Okay, we'll, we'll go there in just a second. Keep in mind, he says, we also are compassed about. We are encircled. We are enveloped. Something surrounds us uh, just like these were compassed about, were surrounded. He says, by a great cloud of witnesses. A great cloud of witnesses. Let's look in chapter 11. And while we look at, I believe who he's talking about, this great cloud of witnesses, let's think about ourselves being not just compassed about, not just having these witnesses that he writes about encircling us and their testimony and their lives, their lives of faith and what they were able to accomplish and overcome and, and do through faith. Let's not just think about ourselves being encircled by them, but we also being a part of a cloud of witnesses today. Let's think about that. You also are part of a cloud of witnesses. What, what is, you think about what a witness does and what a witness is. There's, there's a testimony there. Testifies to something. Do you have a testimony? Is there something that you are able to testify to others about what the Lord has done for you? Surely there is. Absolutely there is. We are a part of a cloud of witnesses. We ought to be. We ought to be. We, we ought to also surround ourselves with a cloud of witnesses, not just these from chapter 11, but individuals, real live individuals presently with us, around us. Um, because whatever we surround ourselves with and whoever we surround ourselves with, they influence us. They influence us. They often influence us without us realizing. But what a wonderful thought. You also influence them. You also influence them. So let's think about ourselves as being a part of a cloud of witnesses as we see ourselves also being compassed about by these witnesses. Look in chapter 11. It's a very familiar place. In chapter, uh, at, the, at the beginning of the chapter, he says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, what a, what a wonderful, beautiful, glorious, just awesome gift, uh, a, a grace uh, that God has given us. Faith. Faith that he, he defines it, first of all, as, as the substance, the ground, the foundation of things hoped for. And I know you, you know this, but do we, do we think about how closely connected faith and hope are? They're, they're practically inseparable. <laughs> they're practically inseparable. Did you notice in, in your life at times that when, when your hope seems to be dim, it's usually at that time that your faith is somewhat weak also. And the stronger our faith, the brighter our hope, right? 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith allows us to look into that. He says the evidence of things not seen. Faith is that which allows us to see into that which we cannot see with the natural eye, right? to, To see and to experience, in fact, things spiritual, things of God, things of the Lord. Faith is such a powerful thing that God has given us. Now, he's going to give us several examples. Well, first of all, he says, For by it the elders obtained a good report. Um, We might see that uh, phrase or something similar to it near the end of chapter 11. He tells us in verse 3 that through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Faith allows us to understand something. It's not just blind faith. It allows us to understand in a spiritual sense, in a spiritual way, there's spiritual reasoning reasoning connected with faith. Faith is not just something that we blindly... It it doesn't say that we just blindly accept something. There's reason to it. And and he he says, through faith, we, we can understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. By the word of God. God spoke and he spoke and created something out of nothing. In fact, he says, so the things, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. There was nothing there. My natural reasoning said, that's crazy. But my faith says, oh, I can understand that. <laughs> I can understand how God, in fact, through faith, I can't believe any other way. I can't accept anything else but that God spoke the worlds into existence. He he took, well, he didn't take it because there was nothing there to take. There was just simply nothing. He spoke and he created. And and, and he says, by the word of God, and this this word, this, here it's not capitalized. I think about the living word. I think about the, the word that was with God and the word that was God, the word that was made flesh. And it was by that word that he created all things. So I'm perfectly satisfied to think about this living word, this, the living spoken word of God. That's Christ, our Lord, who we now know today as Jesus. Jesus, our Savior, the living word, the eternal word. It's by that word also that he upholds all things. That's amazing to me. All things were created by him, this word, by Christ. All things were created for him and by him, and by him all things consist. He's holding it all together. By faith, I can believe that. In fact, through faith, I can rejoice in that. Because if it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for Christ, if it wasn't for you know, and other people can put whatever name they want to on it. I, you know, that's that's neither here nor there tonight, I guess. But I'm thankful that through faith, I believe in a supreme being I know as God and, and his son, Christ, who created all things. If it wasn't for that, then what would we be? There would be no hope. There would be no order to anything. Everything would be total chaos and confusion. Through faith, I can understand that there is a supreme being, a supreme power. Through faith, I can believe God created all things and he's upholding all things. That 
gives me hope. <laughs> that gives me comfort. That brightens my hope. Well, he, said, he goes on to say, he, now he's going to begin to tell us about individuals. And I'm not going to run through all of these. Obviously, we don't have time for that. But as you look at, he mentions Abel in verse 4. He mentions Enoch in verse 5. You know, you know who Abel was? Think about it. He, he was like second generation, right? However old you think the earth is, we're talking about the second generation of human, kind, of human beings. So you go back as far as whatever you believe, and I believe it's six, about 6,000 years old. And you may believe differently, and that's fine. We can get along still. But you go back to the second generation of human beings, you have something in common with him. Same faith. Same faith. We are part of a family. How can we describe it? We are part of a lineage of faith that God established in the very beginning. It's the same faith that we have now. That's an amazing thing to me. Abel, Enoch, he tells us in verse 6 that without faith it is impossible to please God. For he, what does he say? Because God, uh, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, we cannot please God. That's why, well, that's one reason that, that faith, faith must come after the new birth, you know, or it's kind of a part of what we receive when we're born again. Um, before, before we're born again, we can't please God. There, we don't have the capacity. We don't have the desire. We don't have the will. We don't want to. We don't care to. In fact, we'd rather just forget about God and, and imagine that he doesn't exist. We don't want God in our lives. With faith, we can please him. And when we're born of the Spirit, we have that, that gift, that seed, different ways you can describe it. All that fruit of the Spirit, that faith, love, joy, peace, all of those things. I remember something that Jesus, there was, a, it was John chapter 6, there was, a, there was a, a group of people following Jesus. And Jesus says something, to, without turning over there, Jesus says something like this to these people who were following him. They had seen the miracles. In fact, they had been the benefactor, the, the, the beneficiaries of a great miracle uh, of, of feeding that multitude of people with just a few little fishes and a couple of pieces of bread. And Jesus tells them, you know, you're following me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you got your bellies filled. That's, that's my words, obviously. Uh, but then he tells them, labor not for the meat that perisheth. Don't let that be your primary focus, laboring for that which isn't going to last very long. He didn't say don't labor for it at all. He, he didn't say that, that, that this is not something, you, you know, you don't even need that anyway. He didn't say that. What he's telling us is don't let that be your focus. He says labor for that which endureth unto everlasting life. Well, these people, it got some of their attention. Some of them still didn't care, but some of them, that kind of picked their interest. And they said, well, what, what tell us then, if you want us to labor for something, tell us what that is. What should we be doing? They asked the question, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? You're telling us to work, Jesus, 
And you're telling that this is, there's the work that God would have us to do. Now tell us what that is. Do you remember what he said? This is the work of God. That ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Did, did you hear what he said? He didn't just tell them that this is something that God does for you. He says this is the work that God would have you to do. To believe on him. The exercise of our faith, believing on Jesus Christ, that's something you do. It's a work. Jesus described it as a work. And it is the first work, if you will. Whatever we do, that we have any, if there's any hope of it pleasing God, we must do it by faith. That's what he's telling us here. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So faith is kind of like that first work. Whatever we set out to do, we must be doing it through faith, by faith. Faith that this is what God would have me to do. Faith that it will be pleasing to God. Faith that it will be some fruit to be born. That, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be the one to enjoy that fruit. Right, have you ever thought about that? I'm getting kind of off track and a little bit scattered here. But yeah, think about that. You know, when you bear fruit, and we must do so by faith, through faith... When you bear fruit, that fruit doesn't necessarily benefit you, not first and foremost, and sometimes not ever, except having the, what would you call that? Having the satisfaction of seeing someone else enjoy the fruit of your labor. Isn't that satisfying? You see, I get too selfish. I want to enjoy it myself. I see other people enjoying it. Lord, you know, where's my part? I don't produce fruit, if I produce any at all, I don't produce it for myself. Trees don't do that. Except what's left over that nobody else got, it drops to the ground finally and rots and goes back into the ground. And then it's absorbed back through the roots eventually and it just kind of recycles itself, right? But the fruit that that the trees bear, everybody else enjoys it. The fowls of the air. And, 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 the, and the tree itself provides shade, and, and it's for everybody else. So anyway, that's another subject. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. He goes on to mention several others. Noah, Abraham. Have you thought about Abraham lately? When his name was Abram. Have you thought about when God called Abram? What was he, 75 years old? Through faith, he says in verse 8, by faith, I'm sorry, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. The apostle has just given us an example of a man who by faith was able to obey the Lord when it really made absolutely no sense. (laughs) Absolutely made no sense to do so. And in fact, you talk about now, I would have had a lot of questions if I was Abram, wouldn't you? I'm sure Abram probably did. We don't have a record necessarily that he asked a whole lot of questions. He just obeyed. I don't know know if we have a record that he asked any questions. He obeyed, but I'm sure he had questions. I'm sure, I mean, he was human. I know he was human. We would have questions. Lord, are you sure? Now, I'm pretty old. I've been here a while now. I've got roots and my family and all. No, he, he obeyed. He got up and he left the land of his nativity, didn't know where he was going, and it was basically like the Lord telling him, 
I'll, I'll tell you when we get there, <laughs> you know, and it's something you tell your kids, you know, we'll get there when we get there. That's kind of what God was telling Abram. I'll show you the land when we get there. You just obey. You just go. And he did. He got up and went and he obeyed, not knowing whether he went. All of these examples, and we could go many, many more uh, of, of what individuals were able to do, able to accomplish. They were able to um, overcome through faith. Now, we, we're told now, that what we read, we're told that we are compassed about. We are encircled by that. We have the, the testimony here in God's word of the lives of these individuals that compass us about. So, so we are to allow this, their, their testimony, in this case, their testimony to influence us. Okay? To influence us. Now, that's hard to do sometimes. I don't know about you, but when sometimes when I read God's word, I, I know it's true. I know it's real. I know these people. This is not just a fairy tale. It's not stories. It's not uh, fables. It's not just a collection of traditional stories handed down. This, this was real. These people were real. But it, sometimes because, you know, I can think back a few years ago, and I have a pretty good recollection of what happened to me when I was a young adult. I get back to when I was, you know, five or six years old, and it's starting to get kind of fuzzy, right? I hear stories from my parents. I used to hear stories from my grandparents, and I can kind of relate, you know, so I've got a connection maybe two or three generations back. I read history, and I didn't care anything about history when I was in school, and, and I, I really like it now, but I, I lost a lot of time when I should have been learning more about it as a younger person. But it's hard for me to relate to something that happened 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 500 years ago. Now we're talking just 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago. It's hard to relate, isn't it? But yet we are to take the testimony of God's Word and the testimony of these men and women's lives and allow that to influence us. Here were men, and I made a note or two earlier. I was, I was thinking that if I, I had the, um, well, I, I was expecting after Brother Rob found out that, that I, I, I thought I might make a note or two. I forgot. I didn't even have my Bible. And, and so um, faith, if you don't mind me reading a couple of notes, faith moves us to make sacrifices. <laughs> I said that Abraham, he obeyed when it didn't make sense, not just when he went out from his land of nativity, but when God, when God called on him to sacrifice his son, his only son. God called him his only son. Take thine only son. You're talking about questions. Lord, how could you ask me to do that? This, does, this absolutely doesn't make sense. You know, 10, 11, 12 years ago, however long it had been. No, it had been longer than that. You asked me to leave my home. And, and you made some promises. And Lord, I thought those promises were going to be fulfilled through this son that you've given me. 
Now you're asking me to sacrifice him? Offer him as a sacrifice? But faith allowed him to do that. It moved Abraham to do that, to obey, even when it didn't make sense. i tell you another great example we have in here. So many of them. Uh, I like to think about, I like to think about Moses. Moses was a great example of, of, of what we are able to do through faith, by faith. Faith allows us to follow after God, to follow after righteousness, even when everybody else around us is not. You know, and I used to, at home, I, for a long time, I've... I, I tried to place a lot of focus, you know, on the younger people because y'all don't know what I, y'all don't want to know uh, any more about me than you know right now, okay? I can assure you that. But I've shared some things with their young folks back home um, only in, in an attempt to help them see, I know where you are. I know where you've been. I know what you've done. I've been there. And whatever you've done, and hopefully you haven't, but if you have, and whatever you've been through and done and got yourself into, I did a lot worse than that. So when I see young people struggling, struggling with sin, struggling with that thing we call peer pressure, when I see struggling with with temptation, I can relate to that. I know where they've been. I can, if they will allow me to be, part of a cloud of witnesses that they need to be surrounded by. You know? And, and, and we have one great example here in Moses. I mean, when, when Moses was, was raised up, he, he, had, he had it all, right? He, he had it all. He could have had it all. But what was it, when it came down to it, how is it worded here that Moses, when he was come to years... Probably about a young adult. Young young adulthood. When he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to continue to identify himself with a culture. I'll just put it that way. A culture that was contradictory to God. (laughs) It's fine, brother. I'm about done anyway. So he, he had, through faith, he was able to withstand. And, and when, don't you think he felt alone there in Egypt as he refused to associate himself with Pharaoh's daughter, with Pharaoh's family, with everything that there in Pharaoh's palace? He refused to do that. And he went on to, um, let's read the, the rest of this. He says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. You see, that doesn't make sense, does it? Not from a natural standpoint. But but faith allows us, again, to obey God and to follow after righteousness and stand up to the the pressures of the culture around us when when nothing none of that makes sense and everything is hard and it's just not where I just is it even worth it? Well, Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. What a beautiful testimony. In fact, he goes on to say, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than all the wealth or the tre- than the treasures in Egypt, for he had recom- 
he had respect under the recompense of the reward. That's an interesting phrase, esteeming the reproach of Christ. What did Moses know about Christ? I'm not sure what Moses did know or didn't know, but one thing that I learned from this is that we face the same suffering, the same kind of suffering for the same reason today as children of God, as the Lord's people did back in Moses' day, back in Enoch's day, back in Abel's day, all the way back. And ever since that time, we've had this faith. God has given us, given his children faith to be able to accomplish these things, to withstand those temptations, to obey when it doesn't make sense. Beautiful testimonies. We have this great cloud of witnesses. And so, and he goes on many, many, many more. You know, and he makes this one statement here, the very last verse of chapter 11. Actually, you have to read the last two verses. And these all. So he talks about all of these that's, that's in this cloud of witnesses. All these mothers and fathers in Israel. All these brothers and sisters of old who through faith were able to do all of these things. He says, these all having obtained a good report through faith. They obtained a good report, a good testimony, a good witness. Received not the promise. They knew the promises of God. They had heard the promises of God. They were looking to the promises of God. And they were fully convinced that God was going to fulfill his promises. But they had not, God had not done that by the time they died, right? The promises that they were holding to and had laid claim on, they had not been fulfilled by the time they by the time these people died god having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect i'm not sure what all the apostle just said but i think he just told us that they are not complete without us we're not complete without them all one big family and the one thing that we have in common is faith the faith that God has given each and every one of his children wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We're glad you've been able to listen to this podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 10.30 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.